0: The following is presented to you in a round sound. It was recorded with whatever was lying around. Let mm-hmm. She insist on respect the sister Walk around like a ruinish She won't speak less it's something worse saying don't play The girl take herself so seriously People stare curious She got a natural way her hips sway furiously Let a luxurious Carries herself like the cutest most party I still see this side of the bay
1: Hey this is Lady Don't Take No Your weekly roundup of all of the real and none of the fake I'm your host Alicia Garza. This show is pro-black, pro-queer, proudly feminist, and pro-do what you like. Every week, you're gonna get the best of what goes on in my head, what we loving on, and what we hating on, what we might be, and what we ain't gonna do. Politics, pop culture, mm, what we're leaving in 2022, and what we're gonna bring into 2023—we cover it all. We know that no matter where you are. It's a challenging time, a changing time, a time of transformation. I mean, it's all the things all the time nowadays, but we are going to help you understand the dynamics of this time every single week. So be sure to tune in, tell a friend, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We do it for the culture, so the pod is free 99, because we know that with a country in chaos, the least we could do is keep you from putting your money anywhere else than where it's needed. As you can tell, Lady has just completed a small bout of laryngitis, so you'll be hearing my sexy radio voice today. Our guest this week is a best-selling author, veteran journalist, and Peabody Awards finalist. She hosted her own live daily news show on CNN for more than a decade. In 2021, she released her debut book, Huddle, How Women Unlock Their Collective Power, where she redefined huddle as women leaning on one another to provide support, empowerment, inspiration, and the strength to enact meaningful change. Brooke Baldwin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It is so nice to be here. It's a full circle moment. It really is. It It is. Really,
0: is. I was I was looking over at you in your sexy after hours voice from your laryngitis, which we can totally talk about. <laughs> totally, but, but you know, I think about having you on my show, however many years ago that was, with Patrice. That's right. And what happened with Black Lives Matter, and then the full circle. Actually, when I interviewed you for Huddle, yeah, and co- you know, we were in the throes of COVID. I remember sitting on my roof in Soho. I remember of all of the extraordinary women that I interviewed for that book, it was you, Alicia, who gave me this. Ex- the The interview was like you know so much of it wound up in the book, but you were the only one after I talked to you. I journaled all about you and all of the nuggets of wisdom you dropped on me and to be sitting here with you today, sister
1: Brooke, I had the same thought when I was prepping for our conversation today, yeah. and I was thinking about how fitting this conversation is, mm. given the book that you wrote. Mm. And I started thinking actually about, there's two little stories out there today about what we're doing right and how we navigate such a complicated, unfair, rocky terrain. And so I'm really grateful for your book. Mm. I want to start off by asking you, you know, you brought up 2020 and certainly we are in an interesting moment Mm. that is very different than that moment where we were Quarantine, yes. we're on lockdown, yes. we're afraid to sit next to people. We're masking and not masking and not knowing whether to mask or not mask, yes. and really not knowing if we were gonna live. Yeah. And we're no longer on lockdowns now, mm. but I think we can solidly say that our lives have been indelibly changed. Yes. So I want to ask you, what is one thing that has changed about your life because of Miss Rona? Because of Miss Rona. Oh,
0: gosh. I mean, if you remember back, I got OG COVID. It was the first week of April 2020. And this was back when I remember the week so well. I had interviewed... Uh, Joe Biden was running for president. I interviewed him in his bunker you know, from my small um, (laughs) broom closet of a studio at CNN during COVID times. And I remember interviewing uh, a woman who had to say goodbye to her mother over FaceTime, thanks to an amazing nurse in the hospital. And at the time, we just couldn't even wrap our heads around what that why? Why was that happening? And so I got covid it was like the 3rd or 4th of april and i remember getting push notifications on my own phone about myself which was out of body i remember my own friends posting photos of me and them on instagram i felt like i had died it was just nobody knew what was going on and people were genuinely concerned about me and so i was so at first i i didn't know how to handle all of the love and the the incoming and then i just i opened up my arms for it all and i think the thing that i learned the most you know, listen, I'm a southern girl and I remember my mom chasing me around the house in high school wanting me to wear a blush to go to the CBS, okay? <laughs> so, then I jump into television which, you know, you sit in hair and makeup for God bless those women and men, mm. but you know, you got the things and the eyelashes and the and the hair extensions and That's the funny. things and 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 what COVID did for me after I had COVID and people were deeply concerned and I wrote a piece for CNN.com that got I think over a million something views is that I showed up for the first time publicly, fully as myself. Mm. Like I posted photos in that article that were not cute. <laughs> I was, you know, like hanging over the back of my sofa. I was makeupless and frazzled and so sick with my pug in my bed. And I just was like, fuck it, Like yeah. this is who I am. I am fully showing up as myself. You're used to seeing me brushed and done and everything else. And here I am. Here I am. And the response I got from that was unexpected. Mm. And as a result of that, I have taken that with me all through COVID, post-COVID. You know, if you look at me on my socials, I am not all done. And I know maybe this is sounding superficial, but to me, it's like I am showing my insides on the outside, and that was a huge revelation for me.
1: Well, it's huge also for your industry. I mean, if you think about the requirements of women and how we have to show up. I mean, I remember when Chris Cuomo got yes, COVID, right? Yes, and he was, was in his week. basement. And I was like, he looks exactly the same as he always looks. Right. Because nobody cares if dudes wear makeup totally, on TV. Totally. But to- they totally care totally if care. we wear makeup They're or like, like or wait,
0: that's what she looks yeah, like? Totally. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yes. This so is...
1: I'm glad you did that. Yeah, thank thank you. you for showing us yourself. Thank you. Also, I just want to say for people who are listening, because you'll appreciate this. So yes, I am recovering from laryngitis. Yes, I feel great. I've been feeling great. I just had no voice. Now I have a voice. Of course, I get to sit here in person with my friend, Brooke. Thank you for coming in person with me because I was like, I'm 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 going to be in Atlanta. I want to see you in person. I'm like in your hometown. I'm getting here and I'm like interviewing an actual journalist, which is dope. But let me tell you guys how much of a pro she is. Literally, I'm like, hacking in the corner. And she just pauses in the middle of her sentence and then picks right back up. (laughs) Because there's no mute button here in this year's studio. So I am here for you. There you go. I I just want to say shout out to the pros. Thank you. (laughs) So look, we are um, just a couple of weeks, like barely into a brand new year. And I know a big topic of conversation amongst my friends right now is like we're in that weird period where You're not fully in a new year yet, Mm. but you're not fully in the old year. Like, you're done with 2022, but you're still trying on Yeah, one one foot in
0: one and one foot in the other.
1: (laughs) So, I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could call it, like, New Year's purgatory or something. (laughs) But in that spirit, I want to know, what are some of the things that you're leaving behind in Mm. 2022? Mm. And what are some of the things that you want to bring forward into 2023?
0: You know, real talk, when when we walked into the studio, I said to you, I was like, Alicia, I am cracked wide open. Like, I just flew in from San Francisco yesterday. First of all, I spent my Christmas in Europe for two weeks. Then I went from Europe to California, where I checked myself into the Hoffman Institute had no idea fully what I was getting into and then have flown out of the East coast. So my body doesn't know what's up. It's giving me the middle finger. <laughs> and, and, um, I think having just been, let me just give you the quick skinny of mm-hmm. Hoffman and I'm not doing, and this isn't an ad for them. I'm just fresh out of this incredibly intense. I'm just a big believer. These last 18 months, like post CNN for me have been a deep dive into myself. Mm. I have been on a, I have really deepened my spiritual practice and and, and my spiritual journey and, And so essentially you show up at this place, it's like summer camp, but you know it's like a summer camp with a twist because everyone's there because they want to work on something Mm -hmm. really deep and profound. You have to surrender your phone, your computer, so no electronics, no books, no, you guys are going to laugh, but this is literally in the rule book, no masturbating, no sex,
1: no booze. Hoffman's out for me. (laughs) Booze I can do, shoes I can do, girl, technology I can do. Girl, after these days,
0: you'd be too tired. Do I'm just you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you can't know last names and you can't talk about what you do for a living. That's so awesome. you are showing up. Speaking of showing up fully as yourself, you know, people are getting to know you over the course of a week just based upon you and your heart. Yeah. And there's a big reveal on the last night. And um I am sitting here on this podcast with you like Very fresh, very cracked open. And so in terms of what I'm – we had goals, right, going into this. So I'll I'll answer it first by saying my goal of the year and really going into this retreat was – to truly feel whole, to feel integrated. I'm a 43-year-old woman who, um, you know, have been mourning a version of the loss of my mom of my childhood. I'm not as in touch with my dad. Uh, My husband is English and we come from very different cultures, even though we speak the same language. I love him deeply. But, you know, um, my brother is a father of you know, teeny little itty-bitties. And so I just, and I have an extraordinary community around me, and I'm sure part of this on a very subconscious level is why I felt the need to write a book about the female collective. Because good God, I need them to survive. Because yeah. I I do, even at 43 and having amazing friends, I do feel at times deeply alone. I think there is a loneliness pandemic in this country. And so I think for me, it was feeling whole was my goal. And what am I leaving behind and this may sound crazy to people because I've had a microphone literally for my career for 20 years. And I have I have made it my mission to give voice to the voiceless. But yeah. honestly, I have only really learned how to show up for myself and use my own voice in the last handful of years through sharing space with people like you yeah. and people like Ava DuVernay in my book and Stacey Abrams and Dominique Crin and Reese Witherspoon and Sarah Hardin and all these all these women, I just started showing up at work, like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. mm, shoulders back. Here I am. (laughs) I don't like how we're covering this. I prefer to do it this way. And I am leaving behind the bullshit of not fully speaking up for how I want to do my, how I want to live my life, the stories I want to cover, what I want to do in my next act. I want to be very intentional. And I've, I've turned opportunities down because I want to be in full alignment and in full integrity. Mm. And that's where I am coming into 2023.
1: I love that. I love that. And first of all, and second and third of (laughs) all, you're incredibly accomplished at 43. Mm. Incredibly accomplished. So thank you. Shout out to you. And like, what a compliment from you. Let's celebrate your next chapter. Yes. This is so exciting for me. We have so much in common. Mm -hmm. I, Lost my mom a few years ago as well.
0: I didn't lose my my mom is still very much with us, but, but very you know different relationships. Yes, yes, yes. Um
1: also complicated, not very much in touch with my dad. I think these years are the years where I had a mentor say to me one time, I think I was in my thirties, early thirties. Yeah. And I was complaining about how I was getting old or something, right? Yeah. She was in her fifties at the time and she goes, Your 30s are the moment where you find your voice. Mm. Your 40s are the moment where you learn how to use it. Mm. And your 50s are the moment where everything integrates and you become the truest version of who you are. She also told me that your 40s are when you get the best orgasms. So there's (gasps) that on that. Look at what we have to look forward to.
0: (laughs) I'm here for it, I'm here for all of it.
1: We are undoubtedly in the weirdest political times of my lifetime, which is saying a lot because, I mean, from the 80s until now, there's been a lot of weird shit, but this is the weirdest yeah. for sure. Yeah, And, you know, there's a lot of conversation happening in the mainstream media about polarization, mm. right? And people are like, oh my God, we've never been so polarized. And as a black woman, I'm like, we've been polarized for <laughs> almost ever, yeah. but it depends on your your viewpoint and your lens. But the, I think the crux of what people are trying to get to is trying to find a path about how we come together. And I don't believe in shortcuts. Yes. I don't believe in like, oh, it's got to be like bipartisan. I'm like, no, it's bigger than political parties. There has to be a way in which we deeply connect to each other as human beings yes. across ideology and race and all of these things, not getting rid of them, but across those things. So I'm asking everybody who comes on the podcast to tell me a story about a time when you've changed your mind about something that Mm. you deeply, deeply, deeply believed. Tell me what it was and tell me what happened. So you
0: bring up journalism. Let me start there. So growing up in Atlanta— you, you know, we would go to Braves games down in Fulton County Stadium downtown. And I remember bringing binoculars to obviously watch the play, but also to see if I could spy uh, Ted Turner and Jane Fonda. Okay. <laughs> I mean, their presence loomed large over this town. Mm-hmm. CNN was born uh, a year after I was born in 1980 in the summer. And I remember being aware of this thing called cable news. Cut to I'm in college, I'm in journalism school at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and I score an internship at CNN. Awesome. And I, that was the summer where I wasn't totally sure if I wanted to become a screenwriter or a producer. I always assumed I'd be behind, like a bad boss, like, you know, calling yeah. the shots from behind the scenes. Yeah. And never grew up thinking I had to be on TV. And, you know, it was that internship where the bug fully bit, where I was essentially cordoned off in a dark corner, like logging tape from all these exotic locales that these correspondents had gone to, you know, transcribing all these interviews, super yeah. boring stuff, it's total snooze fest, but equally fascinating, like just seeing how to interview and and, and things like that. And I would sneak down at the newsroom and press my face up against the glass and watch these like real CNN anchors do the news and watching people run scripts to them and hearing the clickety clack of the keyboards in the newsroom yeah. and just I was like I was Alicia I was just I was enamored I was possessed I was in and I was going to do anything you know work as hard as I possibly could pay all the dues to to get to that point it was either like host a show on CNN or host uh, the today show for me that, that was my dream And I'm pretty myopic, and I'm pretty determined, and and that was it. And so I, you know, got into journalism for the right reasons, really, truly, like, giving a voice to the voiceless and seeking the truth and shining a light where it's not as obvious. And worked in local news, drove the teleprompter with my foot, made mistakes, wrote my shows, worked overnights, worked all the holidays, until finally, I am at CNN, I'm a correspondent, and then suddenly I'm an anchor Mm -hmm. at the age of 31. Awesome holy shit. Okay. <laughs> and I'm over preparing and cause I'm a woman yeah. and I'm sharing, you know, the airwaves with Wolf Blitzer. So I'm over preparing because I want to earn my spot each and every yeah. day. And it was an extraordinary ride. I really felt like I had a say in what we covered until Donald Trump rode that escalator in Trump tower along with his wife and declared his presidency. Yeah. And uh, What I was so in love with changed and it's still hard to talk about because I'm still pretty fresh out and there are warriors in this business who I so admire who are very much doing the work. But the way we and I say we as I'll forever be a journalist and identify myself with CNN and will always be rooting for the hometown team. But, you know, we, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, the way we covered news fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, cable in particular, it became 24-7, 365 And I used to have quite a say in what I covered and how we covered it. And then it became, this is what you're covering, and these are the panels, and this is who you'll be talking to. For the most part, you know, I certainly got to choose some things. But um, my soul started to wither. It was tough. And covering just anyone, but covering someone who lies and who is just an inhumane, fill all the adjectives, uh, human I've always prided myself on being, being an objective journalist, but I remember sitting on the news set right after Charlottesville happened and everything about my 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 posture, my face, my words, everything changed. And and I'm proud of the work that we did, but also I think that it allowed it emboldened certain hosts, and I say yeah. this for any cable network, to just become incredibly opinionated. And going off and riffing and writing these narratives that just made them really famous, I'm sure, you know, but at the same time, was that really doing the audience a service? Mm. And then we all got in our silos and, you know, people who want to believe the far right only would watch Fox and the people who wanted to, you know, believe in that would go watch the Rachel Maddow, you know, Mm. monologue, or maybe they tune in to to Don at CNN and they'd want to be fed what they believe. And how is that doing anyone a service? You know, there's like a fine line between calling out the bullshit and then just going on and on and on and on and on. And, on. and I feel like they had almost like created a monster because then the viewer became accustomed to wanting, it was almost like we stopped giving them vegetables or like a full well rounded meal. Yeah. And it became just candy. Yeah. And I think what's happening now with the current state of CNN, and I've been in touch with the new president of CNN. I'm t- I've told him I'm cheering him on. But what's happened is, I think they're trying to now feed the viewer a more well-rounded meal, and the viewer's like, "What the fuck?
1: Right. I want my
0: candy. Right. I want the. I want the narratives. I want you to do takedowns. I want, you know." And the way we were producing news, a lot of it was just for clicks, and you know, producer would get in my ear and want me to interrupt people a lot. When I just sometimes, I, you know, in the middle of the coronavirus, and we'd have some like Southern sheriff on who was like, "I don't believe in COVID." Yes, of course, I was like, literally like, dude, I had COVID. What are yeah, you talking about? COVID's real. COVID's real. Right. But equally, I wanted to understand, like, wha- what? Yeah, like, like, talk this, more. Like, say why? more. I just want to sit here right. and listen. And listening became a dying art form in cable news. And so a lot of just what makes me tick and what makes me want to do good journalism evaporated. And I think this is a long way of me saying I realized that... What I thought was my dream forever and ever, amen, um, wasn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And needed to. I needed to recalibrate my dream. Mm.
1: What's the biggest lesson you learned in your career as a journalist? To listen.
0: To listen. Yeah. I was just at my high school this morning talking to all these, you know, the next generation, trying to inspire them. And I think it really is a dying art form. We are so fucking tethered to our phones and our electronics and do we how long can we hold each other's eye contact, yeah. you know, and we're so distracted that we are not listening to one another. And I get that some people say, you know, on the on the far left, I don't even want to fucking listen to the people on the far right. You know, it's like bad shit. And yeah. I don't disagree. But at the same time, like we have to somehow When you get in a room with someone, there's something so powerful about being in-person. You can say all the crazy-ass shit you want on Twitter and anonymously, but when you are face-to-face like you and I are, sitting four feet apart, I dare you not to find common humanity. Yeah. And that is how we solve the greatest problems. We have to fucking listen.
1: Brooke, when you called me in 2020 to do an interview with you about the book, first of all, I was like, obvi. (laughs) Second of all, I was like, this is so cool. But something stopped me in my tracks. Um, I'm somebody who's been doing social justice work for a long time. Yeah. And after you and I talked, I thought to myself, God, you could have written a book about how women are unequal. You could have written a book about the glass ceiling you mm. could have written a book about all of the shitty things that women have to navigate every single day mm. which wouldn't have been a bad thing I mean I hate to break it to people who are listening but yes in 2023 people still are questioning whether or not women are people yeah <laughs> fucking yeah, fancy bless. that yeah but you chose something else you chose to interrupt a narrative that is not just about the shitty things that women have to deal with, Mm. but you also interrupted a shitty narrative about whether or not women support each other and have each other's backs. Mm. And instead, you chose to tell several stories about the ways in which women find power and stay powerful in a world that was designed to keep us powerless, in a world that was basically designed for men. Yeah. So yes. thank you for doing that. Of course. And I want you to talk a little bit about this book. I want you to talk about why you chose this particular way of telling these stories. What does it mean to huddle mm. and why is huddling important? <sighs>
0: what high praise coming from you. So thank you so much. And, you know, through... I chose to write this book because, as you mentioned, my last few years at CNN, we were in the throes of covering the Mueller investigation, you know, really slow news cycle. So I had loads of time. (laughs) Um, So. I wanted to travel and spend my weekends filling my soul and learning myself. So I think my aha, my Oprah aha moment was when I was embedded in the Trump motorcade Mm. in January twenty seventeen. He'd just been inaugurated and I was like balancing on the back of this flatbed truck along with some of the White House press corps as we're Literally rolling in front of the newly elected president, newly inaugurated president and his wife as they were making their way to the White House for the first time. Oh, my God. And if you can just, like, time travel back to that moment, you know, it was only a few months prior where we learned what Donald Trump had said on a bus once upon a time to Billy Bush and where he liked to, you know— and I remember standing on that truck trying to be this, you know, objective journalist that I prided myself in and thinking just as a woman surrounded by all the camo and the red hats and just wondering, like, what the is are the next four years going to be like covering this this person cut to the next day, you know, exchange the camo and the red hats for pink hats and half a million women, you know, at the Women's March of Wash on Washington. I know they were all around, not just the country, but the world. But I had two ahas that day, one being, you know, I had noticed, having crisscrossed the country the year before, I just really had noticed that women were showing up in ways I had not noticed in my lifetime, left, right, and center, because you think back to how many women did vote for for Trump, and— and I just noted it, right, in my journalistic spidey sense was heightened. And my other aha was, would I have had, uh, I, what I now refer to as a huddle, would I have had yeah. a sisterhood, a collective, a sister circle who would have shown up with me, for me on a day like that? And the answer was no. Um, I was so career-driven and had incredible singular girlfriends, but I had never taken the time to form this collective powerhouse sisterhood. And I made it my business to do that. And so I chose the topic Huddle. Huddle is a word that to me feels very masculine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to flip it on its head and feminize it. And it's a verb. It's it's a noun. It is, um, you know, something that we women and in particular Black and brown women Have been doing in this country Not just out of necessity From slavery But as one Black historian Pointed out to me Pre-slavery I mean in particular In Black women's Blood and history and DNA It is just You know like Leaning on one another's sisters Is One's ethos and, you know, you look forward to the march in Philadelphia and, um, you know, black sororities and just everything that black women have done. Um, you know, I remember talking to, wasn't you, it, as it was the founders of Girl Trek. And they were yeah. like, why are you writing a book on this? Yeah. They were like, this isn't breaking news that women get, to, like black women get together and lean on one another and they huddle like, what the fuck, Brooke? Yeah. And I was like, no one is talking about it out loud. Yeah. I wanted to legitimize, honor this thing that women have been doing for so long. It's like, And so then I ran around the country and just honestly, Alicia, like selfishly talked to all the women that I wanted to talk to who I felt like I couldn't really get on CNN, you know, between you and Stacey Abrams and Megan Rapinoe and Sue Bird and five badass congresswomen who had been, you know, in national security or veterans to... Reese Witherspoon and her all women, nearly all women production company, Hello Sunshine, to getting access to an all women's writers room um, to Moms Demand Action, which is actually like the largest grassroots huddle in the whole country. Mm. There were just there were just so many stories that needed to be told. And I wanted to amplify their voices and just inspire so many women to just say, like, there's you don't have to be alone. And I was talking to myself, too. You know, I had to, like, figure out how to find, create, and nurture my huddle. And I am uh, (laughs) huddle-tastic in my current life. I feel blessed with these women.
1: What is it that you want people to take away from huddle? I mean, besides, like, the good feeling of camaraderie and sisterhood, what's the big lesson inside this book? Knowing that you—we
0: are better together. And that we, as white women, need to be mindful of, you know, intersectionality. with Sarah Hardin who said it so well. Like, wh- what what progress are we making if we white women are the only women sitting around the table? We have to make sure that we diversify the table and that by the way we own that whole fucking table. And um, that, as Megan Rapino says, you know, throw down your ladders. Make Be mindful. If you are a woman listening right now and you're a woman in power, have hiring power – help the women coming up behind you, mentor, sponsor them. If you are a white male listening, I dare you to take on a sponsor of a woman who doesn't look like you. Give her the early heads up about opportunities. Help us um, because we're only, you know, coming from a journalistic lens. And this is part of what I said when I left CNN is, you know, my hope is that women and women of color are running networks are calling the shots are in positions of power um and that's that we are all we all benefit from one another's success yeah
1: i love this and by the way for people listening i'm going to tell you a huge secret men do this shit all the time all the time all the time all the time like legit all the time yeah they're yeah. like oh no my homie would be great for that yeah no you know yes we need to <laughs> do this and have a word for it. Yeah. Tell me, you did a bunch of interviews with a wide range of people. Megan Rapinoe, I love her so much. Um, what was the biggest surprise for you in the process of writing this book? Hmm. I think the biggest surprise is that when you think of a
0: woman who you think is so successful, um, who must have it all, who must have achieved it all by herself, she hasn't. Yeah. She has her sisters supporting her. Oh yeah. I have my sisters supporting me personally, professionally, um, and any woman in that book. You know, you name me one well-known extraordinary woman, and I will name you 10 women who have helped hold her up and oh, hold yeah. space for her. Mm.
1: And I think that has been my biggest surprise. I love that, especially in a society where we're taught that to get ahead, you have to leave everybody behind. Oh, sharp elbows. Oh, dude. Get
0: the fuck out of here. Oh,
1: and it's it's hard because even in 2023, I mean, we talk about wanting women and women of color, yeah. and queer women to have these positions that were previously denied to us. Yeah. And you'd be surprised, right? That like, you would think that huddle is like a natural, normal right. instinct, but it's not. We live in a society that tells us okay when you get there lock the fucking door totally you know totally and so I love the fact that you are encouraging people not just to keep the doors open but bust open the windows roll down the ladders like bring all the homes hell yeah hell yeah that's how our shit's gonna get better hell yeah And just like that, it's time for our weekly roundup of all the things Lady just ain't gonna do this week. And just for this week, we are kicking off a new year and all. Lady's list of what we ain't gonna do is focused on all the shit we finna leave in 2022. Number one, Kanye West, Dave Chappelle, and all these other Negroes and their apologists killing us softly with their refusal to act like a decent human being. Now, look, at this point, I'm just tired. I'm tired of being trolled by these people who refuse to read a book or just acknowledge that they're dead-ass wrong and so far removed from both regular-ass people and reality that they literally be making shit up and chasing after white people in their approval. I do not want to hear no more shit about their opinions on basically the fuck anything. And all y'all apologizing for or explaining these clowns, we leave in y'all asses in 2022 as well. If y'all want to stay in the dark ages, you are welcome to, but I ain't finna let you take me with you. Fuck y'all, sincerely. Number two, cauliflower masquerading as rice, waffles, pizza crust, or whatever else y'all talking about. Now look, I try a lot of things. I'm a meat eater, but I try vegan food. I love carbs and grains and shit, but I tried paleo and I loved it. So trust me when I say I'm not close-minded about this shit, I have even made a cauliflower pizza crust from scratch, and it wasn't bad, for real, for real. However, unless you have a serious allergy, I just want to leave this shit alone. Some things just aren't meant to be played with. Now, I do like a cauliflower mash, but not like instead of mashed potatoes. Eat food in 2023. Leave all that other shit in 2022. Another thing we leave in in 2022, X's. I said it leave that shit in 2022, trust me, in three months, you will not miss them. I promise you. If you know me in real life, you know that I am known to say that exes are exes for a reason. And it's 100% true. Look, as human beings, I know we desire and long for connection. So think about how hard it was to break that connection. The uncertainty, the grief, the anguish, the pain. Now let me ask you, why would you go through that shit again? Leave their ass alone, let it go, move on, and move forward. This goes for situationships and relationships alike. Anything that is not helping you get money, find inner peace, or have amazing orgasms needs to get left in 2022. And that's on my mama. Here's what we want more of this week, though. And again, just for this week, we are turning this into the list of things Lady is finna bring into 2023. Number one, for now, forever, and always, is Rihanna and her thick-ass thighs. Hers, yours, and mine, we are here for all the shits. I mean, Rihanna revolutionized pregnancy just like she's done for so much other shit. She gave us crop tops with a baby in her belly, honey. She gave us thick thighs post-baby and didn't even try to do some weird-ass, let me lose all this weight ASAP before I let anybody see me type shit. She gave us thick, and not only did she give us thick, she said, not only will you deal with it, honey, you are going to love it. And yes, she is looking good, so good. She gonna fuck around and make me consider watching the Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, after it's over, of course, because of forever and always fuck the NFL, and it's still Colin Kaepernick for me, but still, you catch my drift. She making me feel things. Other things we bring in into 2023, abortion, women's rights, trans rights, and drag queen story hours. Need I say more? We gonna fight like hell to preserve and expand our rights to have babies or not, to be treated as human fucking beings, to go to whatever bathroom we want, and to read stories to kids with a wig on or not. This is non-negotiable. We are fighting for our rights in 2023, and ain't nobody stopping us now. Other things we're bringing into this year strip clubs. Now, I know some folks might disagree with me on this, and that's okay, but strip clubs are a staple of American life, and as long as there's patriarchy in the world that encourages us to be ashamed of our bodies and sex and sexuality, as long as patriarchy creates a dynamic where sex is sold, and as long as women are predominantly doing that work to make a living, I'm finna support strip clubs. I've said this before, and I will say it again. A woman who strips who climbs a pole and enacts an art form of acrobatics on said pole, is a national treasure. And if my money is going to paying college funds, mortgages, braces and orthodonture, car payments and whatnot for Black women, I am all the motherfucking way here for it. Lap dances for all is my mantra. Besides, it's good for your skin. Speaking of exes, situationships and relationships— I got some good stuff for you for ladies' love notes for next week. I know, I've been saying this shit, but it's taken me some time. But for real, we're just getting back into the swing of things, so let your girl cook this one up. I've been wanting to share this shit with you for a hot minute, and I think I'm finally ready. Like, for real this time. But, 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 I need you to share your story with me. Have you ever been cheated on or cheated yourself? If you were the cheater, what made you do it? And how did you do it? If you were being cheated on, how'd you find out? And also, here's a bonus question for my not-so-scientific science research. Were you ever with someone who cheated on you with multiple people, convincing all of you at the same time that they were only with you in a relationship? Or are you somebody who was able to pull that off somehow? If so, what happened? I need to know the whole shit because we got some things to talk about. Go to our Instagram page and click on the link in our bio to share your story. All of your responses will be kept confidential. Brooke, I loved having you on the mm. podcast. Today. Mm. Um, And I have, of course, I have all these questions about what's next for you, but we're just going to have to have you back on. Okay, deal. Because it's a date. Yeah, it's a date. It's a date. Um, Tell the people how they can follow you and your amazing work on the socials.
0: Yes. On Instagram. I am at Brooke with an E. Underscore Baldwin, and I'm not really tweeting very much lately. Good. But okay, want <laughs> I'm technically on there at Brooke Baldwin, but really, I'm a I'm an Instagram girl. Right find on. me there. Find me on LinkedIn. Nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, Alicia. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank oh. you. Wow. Yeah. That's it for Lady. Don't take no. But I will be back next week with a brand new conversation and, of course, some more news you can use. We appreciate you joining us. And please, let's keep the conversation going. Tell us what's on your mind. Tell us what you like. And tell us what you ain't gonna take no more of. We post ways to do something about things you hear on this show all over our social media. So if we got you amped up today, check out the socials to find out how you can take action. On Twitter, we're at Lady Take. On Insta, we're at Lady Don't Take No Pod. We're also on Facebook or Meta or whatever at Lady Don't Take No Podcast by Alicia Garza. And, as always, we really, really, really appreciate it when you subscribe and write us a review. Let the people know what you've heard here today. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our incredible theme is Biloterix. This pod is supported by the Black Futures Lab. And I think the rest of my voice got left in 2022, but we're bringing it back. And I'm your host, Alicia Garza. Remember... As we get into this brand new year, it's a new opportunity to take stock of what is coming with you and what ain't coming with you. Sound off on our socials and share your list with me. That's right, I said it. Because lady don't take no.
0: Lady don't take no. She insist don't respect the sister. Walk around like a womanish. She won't speak less it's something worse are saying. Don't play. The girl take herself so seriously. People stare curious. She got a natural way,
1: her hips wave furiously. Let luxurious carries a Love y'all.